History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 years old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're speaking with Mike Gore, the CEO of Open Doors. They're a wonderful organisation who are supporting persecuted believers around the world, and it's the 40-year anniversary of Project Pearl, where Bibles were smuggled into China. We're going to find out a bit about that today. Welcome along, Mike. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Matt. I mean, I'm joined by all the birds here in Sydney. I'm sorry for the uh, the audio. I'm coming to you from a lockdown here in Sydney. What are we, two months into it? I think we've probably got four to go. So for all your listeners, I'm so sorry for the birds and the racket in the background. But um, it's, as always, it's a really pleasure to, to be speaking with you. Mate, it's so good to talk to you. And every time I catch up with you, I learn something about what's happening around the world with brothers and sisters. You know, the Bible says we need to stand with our brothers and sisters around the world when, you know, some of them are in suffering, some of them are struggling. We suffer with them. We struggle with them. Uh, Tell us a bit about uh, this incredible story behind Project Pearl in China. Project Pearl is is one of the most landmark, I guess, projects that's associated with Open Doors. Now, 1981, I mean, for all of your listeners that are sort of my age and beyond, I mean, I was born in 1981, Matt, the height of kind of the church explosion and growth in China. Open Doors smuggled one million Bibles, one million, into China in one night. Now, the way they did that was they filled a barge, they floated it into a secluded beach in China, they had secret believers who would meet them um, waiting in the bushes, And when the torch sort of flashed three times, these believers came out, they waded neck deep into the water, and they proceeded to unload the Bibles by hand. I think it worked out to be about two ton of Bibles per minute with these secret believers. They unloaded them onto the beach, and the the Bibles have since reached all provinces in China. And 40 years on, people will still talk about the water Bibles, the Bibles that came from the water. And, um, And so for us, even Time Magazine referenced it as probably one of the boldest moves of evangelism in contemporary Christianity. So it's something to be celebrated and a project that I know Brother Andrew himself um, was daunted at, but in hindsight, he's um, he's just celebrating the effectiveness of. Mate, you just painted such a great picture of that, you know, with the torches flashing and the barge. We we need to make a movie out of this. This is a great story, hey? (laughs) Look, there there is a fantastic book called Night of a Million Miracles, and uh, it's, uh, it's a far more detailed picture of it. But I'll tell you what, it is one of those movies that I promise you, whether you're Christian or not, you'll be watching it with your, you know, sort of bated breath and, and thinking, man, is this going to work? But um, it was an incredibly powerful, um, compelling. I remember the pathway into it, Matt, actually, was the Chinese church sort of requested 10,000 Bibles. Now, Open Doors delivered them, and then they sort of, I think they requested maybe 100,000, and Open Doors delivered those. And then they said to Brother Andrew, can you give us a million? And Brother Andrew said yes. And then what happened was Brother Andrew turned up and saw the million Bibles on a barge. I mean, the barge was enormous. And he said to himself, you know what? Had I ever realized how many Bibles a million was, I would never have said yes. (laughs) He said, but having seen them, you know, just all stacked up, we we had no choice but to do it. We had promised the Chinese church they would come. And so we we committed to doing it. 
But had I known how much they were originally, I would never, like just how big and how bulky they were, I would never have said yes. Wow. What an incredible story. And I know that uh, there's an Aussie connection here uh, with Dean Keeney. Now, he is uh, the founder of Open Doors Australia and a former member of the American Navy, and he was a radio man on the mission. Tell us about that connection. Yeah, well, Dean Keeney and his wife, Becky, they started Open Doors in Australia back in 1978. I mean, a fantastic story in and of itself, called out of the US and into Australia. And um, what is beautiful is he still works with us today, Matt. So every single, he's still on staff. He still works in the office. He's one of my favourite people, closest friends. And um, you, you come forward all those years and he's still part and actively involved as a staff member with the ministry. But during Project Pearl, and because of his work in the US Navy, um, he was sort of sent up to Manila from where he would control the radio. Now, he, he could understand static and all these other things and, and decipher messages coming through. But um, Dean Keeney was responsible for giving basically the go-ahead. And so there was a call sign that said, um, can you prepare us you know, 21 cups of um, tea and, and an X number of bowls of rice? Now, that meant... Um, 9 o'clock, 21 was 9 o'clock on the date. And so he was the one who actually gave the call sign to say that the project was a go. And um, and he still works as part of the Australian base today. It's a beautiful connection we've got to Project Pearl. Wow, it is a great story. And, you know, uh, my mum uh, actually smuggled Bibles into China once in a suitcase. And uh, I don't know who it was with. It was with some mission organisation, you know. And, and she, she told me the story that, you know, she was so nervous and and the uh, machine at the airport just happened to break down and and didn't end up scanning her bag, so she got to just carry it through. They must be some of the flakiest screen machines because <laughs> my story of smuggling Bibles into China was exactly the same. <laughs> I really? got to the border and the X-ray machines blew up and caught on fire <laughs> and uh, and our bags were not scanned and we were able to walk them into China. And so it's, it's hilarious to think that, uh, <laughs> you know, that story seemingly, I mean, it must have been maddening for the authorities. Why are these machines always breaking down? <laughs> and for those who don't know the background, uh, it actually started with Brother Andrew with a, a V-Dub Beetle. He uh, would fill his V-Dub Beetle full of Bibles yep. and he would drive up to borders where he would pray what is now sort of famously known as the smuggler's prayer. He would say, Lord, you make blind eyes see. Now I need you to make seeing eyes blind and in all of the years of Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles, he will openly and actively tell you he never lost a single Bible. Never were they seen and um, and never did he lose one. Mm, wow. Such an incredible story. And now all over the world, you guys are working with persecuted believers in places like North Korea, uh, places uh, all throughout uh, Southeast Asia, places where Christians are persecuted uh, in ho- horrific circumstances. And, uh, Mike, I want to thank you because you have challenged me and my thinking about persecuted believers over the world. Uh, I used to pray that God would rescue them and save them and that they'd be able to come home or or come to a a nice place like Australia. But you you pray a bit differently than that, don't you? Just just teach us a bit about how you pray for persecuted believers. Yeah, look, that's one of the the lessons. I I prayed very similar to you, Matt, before I started with Open Doors, but in in the sort of 10-plus years of of traveling to, meeting with and working alongside persecuted believers, my, my, my approach to prayer has changed dramatically. And now we, with all of the stuff our, your listeners and, and you and I have seen in Afghanistan just recently even, you know, one of the hardest things to do is how do you pray when it feels like you don't have the words? And for me, 
um, I come back to a really, hopefully relatively simple process. Number one is I pray for those who are being persecuted. Now, if we use Afghanistan, just because it's a live kind of example, that means praying for not just Christians, but praying for Muslim men, women and children, that they would have a pathway out, that they would find peace and maybe find Jesus. And so number one, I pray for the people who are suffering those incredible human rights abuses. Number two is I pray for the persecutors. promise you this will be one of the hardest prayers, but one of the most freeing you will ever learn to pray. Because what we're not praying is that they would be blessed. Remember, it says, bless those who persecuted. That doesn't mean give them good things. It's an Abrahamic blessing, a desire that they shall be saved. Because we've got to remember, God used Saul to build the church as well as Paul. So our prayer for, I don't know, someone like the Taliban, it should be along the lines that they would experience divine justice, but at the same time, that they might find salvation in Christ, because no one is beyond salvation. And then, Matt, by time... I've got my mouth around and my heart around those first two prayer points. The third thing I pray is that I might draw closer to and learn from God in this moment because I think God works all things for the good of those who love him. So even in those instances of prayer, um, as we realign it and understand that prayer is truly a weapon, but it is also a sword and a shield at the same time, the prayer is as much about the person praying as it is about the person receiving it. And so my hope is just that they're three really quick and simple tips. Pray for the people who experience persecution, pray for the persecutors, and then thirdly, that we might grow into a deeper understanding of God in that moment. Mm, so important, mate. And, you know, I often think of the, the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus. You know, he'd been a persecutor of Christians, and he was blinded by the light. We all know the story. And uh, he mm. said, you know, Jesus said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, uh, you know, out of that encounter, he was dramatically transformed to be the most influential Christian, you know, since you know, since, since the message of Christ came out, you know. Mm. And, you know, we, we need to pray and believe that God can do that with the Taliban. He can do that with, uh, you know, the guys in North Korea. He can do that with, you know, in different nations around the world where people are persecuting Christians. They could end up being the next Apostle Paul. We, we need to pray and believe that, don't we? And I believe that some will be. Right? Mm. The, the wrestle is that we can often look at the Taliban as a whole and say, unless every single one of them is changed, then it's not worth it. No, no. The reality is if the Lord draws one, two, five, ten, a thousand to his side, you know, changes their world for those people. And so my, my firm belief is that you can dismantle and deconstruct the Taliban one by one by one. You know, it doesn't mean that overnight all of them have a Damascus Road experience, but what I believe is that God is a sovereign God. He's a trustworthy God who will reveal himself and draw people to his side. Amen. And and one of the stories I always remember whenever we chat is uh, uh, the story of Pastor Jihad. He, he was like a sharpshooter or something. What, what was his story? Yeah, Pastor Jihad. He was an assassin. So he worked for a terrorist group. He was an assassin. He killed many people and then had a transformative experience with the Lord. And he's now a pastor of a church down in the um, Bakar Valley in Lebanon, who's been serving Syrian refugees now for years and years and years. His story of transformation and now outward help and hope for the um, the Muslim community living as refugees is unbelievable. The impact of his ministry is enormous, and he's seen countless people come to faith in Christ through it. Mm, so so powerful, and that's what we're we're hearing. You know, that's one of the reasons why I love uh, catching up with you and hearing these stories because they're faith building stories. 
And they inspire us to pray for the Taliban, pray for these persecutors, because God can turn them around. And, mate, every year I know you guys release the World Watch List, and it lists the nations where uh, Christians are persecuted the most around the world. Uh, this year, there wasn't that much change compared to previous years. Is that right? What, what are the top countries at the moment? No, look, there wasn't that much change, but the biggest change we're seeing, Matt, is that the overall level of persecution is increasing. So it's an index ranking score out of 100. And historically, you know, North Korea has been number one for well over a decade. But the difference is that North Korea, 10 or 15 years ago, it was daylight between one and two. Well, this year, 2021, Afghanistan was the second most difficult country um, in the world to follow Jesus. And from memory, it was something like half a point or one point behind North Korea. Mm. And so what we're seeing is not necessarily a change. We're seeing an increase in the severity of persecution globally. And, you know, I've had the uh, honour of visiting a detention centre recently at Pinkenbar in Brisbane. And uh, just as a pastor, as a chaplain going in there, doing Bible colleges, uh, sorry, Bible studies with these guys and ministering to them. A lot of them are there for, you know, uh, surgery and they've got, you know, and they've been locked up for years. Um, but they're from these nations where they've been fleeing horrific persecution. And some of the stories just, uh, you know, just absolutely shocked me what, what these guys have been through. Um, but you know what? A lot of them have come to our nation and I believe the reason they're here is because we can preach the gospel freely here and they can come can come to know Jesus in this nation. We're actually seeing a lot of people from other nations come to Australia and come to faith, aren't we? Yeah, look, I think that um, well, one of the, the great misnomers about um, Islam or, or many other faiths for that matter, particularly Eastern spirituality, is that when people become disenfranchised with God, the question for them is not, is there a God? The question is generally, which God? Mm. Right? So it means that's a perfectly primed and placed opportunity to talk about Jesus mm. because people who have come from deeply spiritual backgrounds, they're not questioning the existence of gods. They're searching for you know, a base, baseline. They're searching for the God. And so, um, so we are seeing those conversions. We are seeing people find freedom in Christ simply because they're deeply spiritual cultures who are desperately wanting to be driven by the hope that um, a God figure brings in their lives. And for us, we have, you know, the eternal hope in Jesus. Mm, absolutely. And, mate, you know, there might be people listening that have never actually heard the gospel. They've never actually made a decision to follow Jesus. I know that you're uh, passionate about sharing the good news wherever you get the chance, Mike. Would you, would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do people respond? Look, I love that question. And I love the fact of the gospel simply being the fact that for the best of us and the worst of us, Jesus died. He's a God of grace who reached down to us. You know, I'm reading a devotional at the moment and it's talked about Aristotle and Plato and all these other guys. But you know what? There's more evidence that Jesus existed and walked the earth than any of those guys. And so what I found hope in is the fact that God, who created universes, sent his son Jesus in human form to die for us so that we might be reconciled with him. But the beautiful thing is there's no hierarchy in sin, Matt. There's no hierarchy in sin. And too often we're the own harshest critics of that. But Jesus, he died for the best of us and the worst of us. And he offers us hope. People often ask me, well, Mike, if you took Jesus out of your life, what would change? And for me, the answer is hope, right? And, and that changes everything, Matt. Mm -hmm. And so my hope is that people listening today might reach out, start a conversation, because uh, he is the one true hope. And in a world that is driven by COVID restrictions, isolation, 
lockdown, uncertainty, fear, never before has hope been more important. So I want to encourage you, if you are listening, reach out, start a conversation. Uh, Matt will know the answers. He's a great listener. Please ask him more about Jesus and find the hope that only he offers. Absolutely. And if people do want to respond, uh, you can contact us through the website, historymakersradio.com. Send us an email through there. We're happy to send you a Bible and uh, talk to you about following Jesus. We'd love to uh, connect with you there. And if people would like to connect with Open Doors, the website is opendoors.org.au. Uh, you're also on all the social media channels as well. And if people want to get more involved, what's some ways people can be more uh, you know, supportive and, and connected to uh, Open Doors, mate? Yeah, look, that's probably the main things would be that we are overwhelmingly a fundraiser. So we're asking people always to help, give financially to help and serve and support people like the stories you've heard about and fun projects like Project Pearl. And we, we want people to pray. Um, we want people to, to really push into God and just ask for um, help and support and safety and provision for people who are suffering persecution. And then, you know, volunteering is always something we're open to as well. But, you know, there's a longer form interview with Dean Keeney himself um, on Instagram, I think it is, for Open Doors. So Open Doors AU Instagram, you can check that out. Um, You can follow me on social media and just start to get a better understanding of what it is that we do. uh, Because I really believe caring for the persecuted church, matter should be part of the DNA of anyone who calls themselves a Christian here in Australia. And so my hope is that um, any church-going Christian in Australia is willing to stand up and put both their heart and, in some ways, their finances towards serving the persecuted church. Absolutely, mate. And as the Bible says, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. We need to stand together with our brothers and sisters suffering around the world. And Open Doors is certainly a wonderful organisation to, to partner with. So, uh, so good to talk to you again, Mike. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks for joining us. No worries, mate. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. There you'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor.